I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you've wanted yet feared to do work that is weird, this is the show you just need to hear, where it is revealed how people got into a field that very much appealed to them, you know, following your passion and all that. You know, blazing your own trail. They finished with success because they kept on trying each time they failed. Now let's listen to them speak about their jobs, which are quite unique. Weird work. If you own a castle on a secluded island, Can you really expect to dress yourself? When you're cruising through the Mediterranean on a super yacht, do you imagine making your own shrimp cocktail? The world needs butlers. And today's guest, Paul Heisinga, trains the best of the best, the creme de la creme, the top dogs of the domestic arts. Paul holds court over the International Butler Academy a sprawling 135-room classic, super-rich person place in the Dutch region of Simpelveld, Netherlands. Graduates of the program go on to manage estates, hotels, super yachts, and many of the other frivolities of the rich and super-duper rich. Paul's tale is a classic one. Man loses his job in finance during the global collapse of 2008. Then he pursues his lifelong passion of becoming a butler and now runs the whole goddamn academy. It's weird work. God global, baby. A lot of people listening to this show have probably like two major cultural touchstones when it comes to butlers. Uh-huh. Downton Abbey and Batman. <laughs> Which of those two do you think is the most accurate for what the job of a butler is? And if you could tell me why you think it's Batman, that would be super helpful. Well, I think Downton Abbey because I've never seen Batman. <laughs> You've never seen a Batman movie? I've never seen oh. Batman. Sorry. I only know Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh, Paul. That's got one of the best butlers. And, and, and you had in the past, you had upstairs, downstairs, the Bellamy family, and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But that's for the oldies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as a side note, you should watch Batman. You'll love the butler. He beats the crap out of everybody. Yeah. He's fantastic. And I know the butler from that series, The Nanny. <laughs> Another great butler. So there is a movie. It is called The Remains of the Day with Anthony Hopkins. And that's a wonderful movie as well. One of the best movies about this. That's great. 
is we'll have a Butler movie recommendation afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so being a Butler is like one of the oldest professions. And I was just wondering yes. if you could just give me kind of like a quick history 101 on where the profession originated and where it came from. Yeah. Well, I would say it's the oldest profession because that's something else. Uh, but, uh, you know, Joseph from the Bible, he was, I think, one of the first butlers because he was in charge of the wine of the Pharaoh. And then, you know, a butler was in the old days, he was the one who was in charge of, you know, the wine storage, etc. There's the word butler coming from. It is, you know, from French, it is bouteille. And bouteille means that is the bottle. And the bottle was deferred in English to, well, you know, butler. So uh, as, as most people think that a butler is typically, well, British, as a matter of fact, it's, it's not completely true. It's, it's more French than, than English. Mm. And so let's say the butler that people nowadays know is more or less created by Hollywood. People think uh, nowadays a butler was somebody who is only serving coffee and tea, etc. And uh, nah, okay, he did a little bit in house, housekeeping, receiving guests, opening the door, and making funny remarks, <laughs> and you know, helping Mister in his clothes and helping Missus out of her dress. But you know, that, that's not the real life of a butler. Uh, the, the butler has evolved from people from the village who needed a job. That's really interesting because I think about that you mentioned that it's France. And I think it was like Louis the Fourteenth who kind of would have a whole bunch of staff at Versailles, but a lot of them were aristocrats. Yeah, and they yeah. were like aristocrats assigned to like a very specific thing. But you're saying it evolved from being like these tasks that were given to aristocrats. Yeah, you know, present Louis with this bottle, put his clothes yeah. on, or something like that. Moving down to like regular ordinary people taking those jobs. Well. It was a big honor when you were allowed to assist with, you know, the reveille that was when he, you know, woke up and when, when, when they gave him his underwear and etc. etc. For the noble people, that was the only way that you counted more or less at court. You only counted when you had an apartment in Versailles. So let's say the nobles were not butlers. Although they did more or less that task, <laughs> well, let's say footmen. Yes, the yes. nobility at Versailles hardly had any money to pay a buffer themselves. Now you're not like a professional butler now. Yes, could you tell me a little bit more about what you do? Well, I am not doing so much as a butler, to be honest. But <laughs> if I would work as a butler, which I did in the past. Because now I am one of the senior trainers at the Butler School in the Netherlands, and I'm doing the, the recruitment for international uh, clients who are looking for staff. So I help them to find staff. But but you know when I worked for a family, I was the only staff member. Mm -hmm. That means I was the maid, I was the cleaning lady, I was the valet, I was the chauffeur, I was the chef, I was the Oh, yes. And now and then I was the butler as well who received the guests. And when you worked at this family, like how rich were they? When you were the sole butler, it's like, are they like estates, multiple places, billions status, or are they like upper, upper middle class? No, they had a nice house 
in the middle of the Hague, nearby all the embassies. They had a house at Ibiza. To give an uh, idea of the of, of the size of the house, I had my own apartment in the house. <laughs> so I had my own hall, I had my own living room, my own kitchen, my own sleeping room, uh, and that was all in the house itself. Uh, you, so you can imagine how how much work <laughs> I had to clean the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. But but that was my situation. It varies a lot from being the only staff member until maybe in charge of maybe, well, let's say 1,000 staff members in the house. Damn. Those houses do exist, yes. Wow. And you did a lot of different tasks, you said. Cleaning, guarding, like driving people. For you personally, what did you like to do? What was your favorite? Well, let's say driving madam to her appointments because you never knew how long that would take. And then often she gave me you know, some money to have a nice dinner somewhere. <laughs> and I had to be on, then I had to be back on time. Yeah, what I experienced as very uh, nice is when we had guests and who were, well, with us for dinner. But if those guests were sitting in the kitchen in, you know, jeans, in a polo, having dinner at the kitchen table, and, and often those guests were not the least... I had once the ambassador of the United States, uh, of Israel, of Brazil, and a lot of friends of them uh, sitting at my kitchen table, and, and I was serving them from the stove. So not official formal, but just, oh, do you want to have some more? Okay, I put something on your plate. And those are the things that I think not so many people can tell what they experienced. And mm -hmm. Those are the nice things to remember. Do you end up cooking a lot for people as part of the job? Well, you know, the funny thing is I was a banker before I started as a butler. So I never was a chef. I can cook fairly well. I know how to keep a family alive. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I am a five-star chef. So we had a very, very nice caterer. We had some very nice shops where they sell exquisite food. And I know how to prepare a plate how to put some things on it so it looks nice. For instance, what I just told when I had all those diplomats at my kitchen table, they all thought that I was a perfect chef, but I just did this, this stuff in the pans. You know, you, let's say, throw some food on your chef jacket, some on the stove, and everybody thinks that you made it, and, and that's, that's terrific. That's great. So I want to talk a little bit more about your kind of current position and the Butler School. The International Butler Academy in the Netherlands. Mostly when people start any butler school, when they die, it's the end of the school. Mm -hmm. But, well, the founder, Mr. Wenekes, he started the school in 1999 and he opened the doors in the year 2000. And when he retired, he uh, sold the school to a partner of him. And so the school still exists. That makes it the oldest butler school in the world, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And if you could just describe, like, I've seen pictures of it physically, but I would love to hear from you how you would describe the school and maybe like walking into it for the first time. Well, when I got without, you know, a job, it, it, it was in a period of all, the, all those bank crises, etc. Uh, so I didn't know what to do. And then I decided, well, to follow my heart. 
and well, let my dream come true. And so we went to the school uh, for a day to uh, join and, and you know look how it is. And I said, yeah, that's 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 what I should have done years and years ago. So the first time I I walked in, I was really oh my god, they are all they they are all wearing black, and they are all oh my god, how fancy it is. Sitting at a long, I know, lunch table, and the the founder and his wife, and head of the table, and the teacher, and a lot of staff members. I thought, oh, holy moly, that's the uh, Downton Abbey style. And, and I like it very much. <laughs> yeah, because you've been in fancy environments. If you're in finance, was this like next level fancy? Well, let's say I know now why it is a fancy environment. That is because you know you could. Also train students in the world of a hotel or, you know, whatever. Uh, that's not a difficult. But we decided to have kind of an estate-like house. We have a big house now. It was, well, a former monastery, uh, 7,000 square meters, 135 rooms. Why? That's to avoid that students in their first job come into a house like that and are walking around with their mouth open and only looking up to all those chandeliers and be impressed by the wealth that you find in such houses. So are you saying that like the school being in this beautiful, large mansion yes. is not just like a pleasant experience, but it also helps prepare students for the moment when they go to a really rich super wealthy person's home. They're not like, <gasps> like, look at that. <laughs> yes, totally it blown is. away. Yes. It's not only because it is nice, but it's part of the whole training. And speaking of the training, is becoming a butler like a single path? Like, okay, you become a butler or are there a variety of different butler courses a person could trade in? Well, it is important to realize that well, butler of the 21st century, is not a servant anymore. Let's say not completely a servant anymore. You are a manager, an executive manager of a big estate, of a mansion, and not often not one, but you know, scattered all over the world, they have more mansions. Uh, maybe you are even in charge of the yard, and etc. So we also train our butlers to realize that they are not the old school servants, but they are managers. And what are some of the other skills that you train at the school besides management? Well, we train a whole lot uh, from uh, how to tie, well, a bow tie for your bus, because maybe he is not able to do it himself, so you have to stand in front of him and do it. Uh, from ironing, oh, I remember the first time I ironed my ladies, uh, well, underwear, I was very much afraid that it would glue to my iron. But, okay. <laughs> but that's what you learn as well. Uh, how to receive guests, how to make the beds, how to serve, how to serve in the formal way, uh, how to well, lay the table, how to make decorations, how to polish shoes. Uh, be aware of, you know, safety. Uh, don't bring well, the children every day to school in the same way, but use other routes to bring them because, yeah, uh, there are always people who will try, well, to kidnap them. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's a crazy one. I didn't even think about that one. Yeah, well, that's just how it is. 
but also manage the staff, how to hire staff, how to uh, how to fire staff, how to treat staff, uh, how to make schedules, working schedules, etc. So one thing I wonder is like, I know I'm not that good at ironing, yeah. but I feel like if I had to iron, like, okay, I could probably figure out, is there anything that people come into the school going like, yeah, this shouldn't be a problem for me. I'm good at this. Like I'm good at making my bed. And you're like, no, you've been doing it wrong and terrible. Yes. Uh, we always say, if you survive him, our CEO, Mr. Wendekes, you will survive every principal in the world. We train the students, they are 24 hours in a day. We train them about 16 hours per day. That is including lunch, dinner, you know, also dinner is part of the training. And I hope now I'm going to offend a lot of people from the US, but I'm, I'm afraid that a lot of people from the US don't know how to handle a fork and a knife exactly the way it should. So even work dinner is, is a way of you know training our students. The same counts for lunch. Um, so our lessons go on all day. We train them about six days per week. Train them in how to be humble. As we say when they walk in, we say just forget that you just paid a lot of money for a course that you are a student. Forget it. From now on, you are one of the butlers of this family. So. In the U.S., we have like this is sort of a, an aside, but like, you know, if you join the military or something like that and you're going to get in a group like the Marines, a yeah. certain group make it in. Not everybody makes it through the training. No. It's brutal. It's tough. It's all the time. Yeah. Uh, how do people generally make it through the entire program or are there a lot of people that drop out during it? Well, if you pay a lot of money, you, you are not saying <laughs> goodbye so fast. Uh, because then you end up without anything by no diploma. Um, we have our percentage of people who get their diploma is, I think, 96%. Okay. That's quite high. Uh, let's say bricklayer can become a better butler but than a doctor. Okay. Although, well, you know, the doctor has maybe, I has more knowledge about, you know, a lot of things have, have learned so much more. Doesn't mean that he has well the right DNA to be a butler. So it all depends on the person itself. And what do you think that is? What do you think it's like that right thing that makes you a really good butler? Well, you need to have it in your blood to be a butler. You 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 need to be a person who likes to uh, well be there for other people to set aside your own interest for somebody else. If you can't, you can't be a butler. Then I always say, well, you know, just find a nice job in a hotel or whatever. I would say make podcasts, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, but then probably you will not be a butler. Then you don't have that, you know, then they have, don't have it in your blood. Do you think you can tell when people like, when, when they walk in, you're like, they're not making it. You know what I mean? No, no, no. No, that's impossible. We once had a person coming in. We thought, oh, God, he will never be a butler. You know, he was a lot of tattoos and, you know, his shirt open until his stomach, you know, and all that hair, hair coming out with a big silver chain around his neck. We yeah, that, that sounds great. A butler. He ended up in his course as the, but, as the best student we ever had. Huh? And yeah. <laughs> um, we had once a student who ended up as the number one. He was 
a former Navy SEAL. If that's tough or not, I don't know, but that's really tough. You know, a Navy <laughs> SEAL, they get you no know, training in waterboarding or whatever. He ended up as a number one, and well, with tears in his eyes, he said, and that's true, with tears in his eyes, he said, this is about the most well, difficult and hard course I ever had in my life. Wow. Why well, always say I'm a kind of Navy SEAL myself now, so, but <laughs> So I wanted to, so through this brutal trading, people actually pay money to go through it. Yes. Uh, first question, how much is tuition? How much does it cost to go through this program? And how long is the program? I think it's about, let's say, approximately cost you 15,000 uh, euros. Well, you know, 10 weeks. That's it. But there are no extra costs involved. The only thing you have to pay yourself is in your spare type off. If you go to any restaurant, you have to pay it yourself. And it doesn't sound like anybody has any free time during this course. It sounds pretty brutal. <laughs> uh, that's sometimes true. When you have it for a they still have the homework to do. And yeah, so it's still a lot. A <laughs> load of homework they have to do as well. If you work as a butler, don't forget you don't have a work week of 40 hours. You mostly have a work week of about 60 hours. And you have to be very flexible. When I worked, I knew my starting time was in the morning at, well, it was at 8 o'clock. But it could be that the lady came down from, you know, upstairs at about, well, let's say 10, 11 o'clock and said, Oh, Paul, I completely forgot I have an appointment. You have to bring me. So you jump in the car, put it in front of the house, put her coffee in it, put her lipstick in your own pocket because she always lost her lipstick. And then you bring her somewhere. And then sometimes you were happy that at half past one in the middle of the night, you went home again and still know that you didn't make her bed. So in the few minutes that you came home and she wanted to go to bed, you can still have to make her bed as well. And then how much money do you make as a butler? Well, people think, oh, I'm going to be a butler, so I will have, uh, well, let's say top salary. That's not true. You can What's earn, top salary? Uh, it depends a bit on where you're working. On the country, your experience, your age. Uh, let's say that you start with an average salary of, let's say, a bookkeeper. Uh, but you work a whole lot more hours. But a bookkeeper can probably earn more money, you know, let's say, through the years. But I think that goes with, well, a good butler goes a bit faster. Let's say that in the US, you have, uh, you can have an income of uh, 60 or, well, let's say, 70K per year. Uh, including health insurance, etc. But that's the salary for where you start. It goes in the US, it goes easily up uh, to above, well, let's say 100K. And then generally, do butlers pay expenses or are all expenses kind of covered, like food, lodging, things like that? Are most of those covered and it's just 70K to 100K of just like income? Well, depends. On your contract, if you have a live-in position, then probably uh, you, you don't have to pay anything for housing or food. If you live out, you have your own house, then you have to pay it yourself, of course. I think 60% have a live-in position. Um, and sometimes you work so hard that you don't have even time to spend your money. Well, the best paid butler in the world earns about one and a half million per year. But in his contract is that he is not allowed to have his own private life. 
Ah, uh, so, is that a real person? Yeah, so he <laughs> has no time to spend money. I I think he's doing that already quite a couple of years. So I think he, he makes run, half run a million dollars a year. Yeah. Wow. But oh, oh that's that's the exception. All listeners to the postcard postcard podcast <laughs> don't think you go to the international butter in the Netherlands and in 10 weeks time you have a marvelous job where you earn about 1 million per year forget it that's, that's not the case <laughs> that's fine but i mean it's still like you got to this is amazing cuz in the united states like college is you know four year college $80,000 you know like per year and things like that you're talking about outrageously expensive and it's making roughly the same amount as a butler after a 10-week program. Yeah, but you have to do a whole lot of things, you know. <laughs> you have you 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 are the one who is doing in the morning about the loo of the Lord, even though if if even when he was sick in the middle of the night. So because when he wakes up, he expects his toilet to be clean. Mm-hmm. So you are doing his toilet. True. True. Yeah. And you have to make his breakfast. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So I'd like to switch gears a little bit and get more into kind of your own personal story. Yeah. Now, potentially inappropriate question, but if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? I'm 64. You look great. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So you were in finance and then decided to make a switch to becoming a butler. Why? Well, my decision was based on the circumstances. I was 21 years old when I started working in the bank, so I worked my way up. I ended up as a manager of uh, a department of about 40 people. And then in, I think, 2008, the banking uh, crisis all over the whole world. And after two years, my job did not exist anymore. Then I was about 54 years old, and then I had a year of a break. I didn't do anything. And then my wife came and she said, well, well, my wife and I, we know each other already since we were 16. So she knows a lot about me. And she said, well, uh, you always had your dream that was butling. And so why are you not going to do that? And I said, well, realize that it involves a lot. And I'll be away from home mostly at least in the week, uh, only be at home in the weekends. And, well, you know, we have children, we have grandchildren. And still, 
I went to that school and it was a warm bath for me being in that school. And then I decided to do that course myself. And I think it was one of the best well decisions I ever made because it changed my life. It changed my way of thinking, my way of looking at the world. And uh, what I always say is both jobs start with a B, banker or butler. At a bank, we were there for our clients. But being a butler, I was there again for my clients. And that's what I think my core, I won't say my core business, but what my core feeling is when you work. What about your perspective changed? You mentioned that it changed a lot about your perspective going into the job yeah. of being a butler. And yeah. I wonder like, what specifically kind of felt like an eye-opening shift for you. An eye-opener for me was that if you ask a poor boy at a garbage belt somewhere in a poor country what it would mean for him to be rich, and he says, well, that is my own radio. If I have my own radio, then I would feel rich. You know, that's an eye-opener to mm. uh, see for, yeah, you, you know, what is wealth? What is, what is it, as a matter of fact, being rich? And in that perspective, it has changed my life. And that's personally. So on the other side of that, I want to get to kind of a larger idea I've been struggling with, with the butler role. <laughs> it's like we're living in this time of extreme wealth disparity, especially yeah. here in the U.S., but also all around the world. Uh -huh. I guess, do you feel like there's this weird sort of push and pull between like, wow, do we really want to be living in a world where there's such extreme wealth disparity that like butlers is a growing yeah. profession? Or is this a good thing for society? Well, let's say, as I said before, uh, there are houses where they have, where, where you might be in charge of 1,000 staff members. Is that a kind of, well, let's say slavery? That's not something I would like to discuss. But on the other hand, there are 1,000 people who have a job, have an income, and about another thousand and maybe another thousand people are living from that income, which they otherwise shouldn't have. So um, that's the other side of the medal. But let's say you don't earn money by doing your own housekeeping. It's you know, very handy if you have somebody in the house who is doing your housekeeping. Then you can focus on your core business, on what you are good in. And uh, yeah, and, and then the money flows for a little bit from the rich people to you. And then you have a job. Yeah, you know, it's you are the most intimate staff member. I have seen my ladyship as, a, I, I think, well, probably the only one next to her own husband in her underwear and without makeup. And so let's say you must also trust the by your butler that he will keep that confidential, what he sees. Mm. Uh, and, mm. you know, and, and that's very intimate between you and your staff member to be trusted in that way. I think that is interesting to think about with the wealth disparity and, and to your own story about like cooking dinner casually for diplomats is that yeah. these people feel so removed from normal society. Yeah. But in this butler role, you have this really interesting exposure to yeah. this echelon of society. And it sounds like they're very normal interactions. 
Yeah. You know, in some ways, like <laughs> casually having dinner around uh, next to the stove is like a very normal thing, even though these people are ambassadors and super wealthy and yeah. all this other stuff. You as the butler get exposure to a group that most people would never get to see. No, they want to be in a normal position in their own time as well. And they need somebody around them who respects that and who can deal with that. This was wonderful to talk to you, Paul. Where can people learn more about the International Butler Academy? At www.butlerschool.com. If, if, if you're ever in the Netherlands, come by and have a cup of coffee with us. Oh, my God. I would love to be served a cup of yeah. coffee at the Butler School. That would be fantastic. I feel like I wouldn't fit in very well. I think I need to dress a little bit better and get my uh, get my shit together. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I wasn't working always in a suit as well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was a great pleasure for me speaking to you. And I hope really that this podcast will also inspire other people to well, follow the heart. And that's, well, the dream come true. And I think that's the best thing you can do in your life. Follow your heart. This week's episode of Weird Work was produced by the wonderful, indomitable, understated Matthew Brown. Weird Work was driven entirely by me, Sam Balter. My motivation and passion carried us through, and Matt was a supporting figure in the whole thing. We'd like to, you know, just say if you like the show, subscribe to it, tell everybody about it, scream it from the rooftops, go onto the estate of a super rich person and throw a brick through their window with a little piece of note on it that says, Weird Work, the podcast, and see how that goes. And instead of funneling your hard-earned money back to rich people, give it to us instead. In return, we'll give you a hat or a shirt. That's right. Buy our merch over at weird.com work that's the website okay stay weird you pinky raisin crumpet eaters <laughs> yeah i don't know how you would do this if i wasn't so good at it how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.